Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Alcohol and traveling are so enmeshed. Like when we think of going to Italy, you think of drinking wine, like you said, or visiting breweries and you travel with family that... Um, maybe drink or friends that drink or you're going to a beach. How can you not have a margarita on the beach? And it's just, you know, the media portrays this as something you can't do uh, unless you're drinking. And you can. (laughs) Their fear is that they're going to just like live and be so boring. And so I try to avoid that word sobriety because, you know, alcohol free. It's not it's not a boring life. That was today's guest, Margaret Ward, who is here to share 10 tips for alcohol-free travel. These are incredible tips for drinkers and non-drinkers alike, whether you're sober curious, maybe you're somebody who wants to have a different relationship with alcohol, maybe you just want to have a different travel experience. These tips are solid gold, and Margaret shares her story as well as a deeper conversation around alcohol and society. We'll talk about why committing is much easier than moderating, how you can avoid decision fatigue, some of the benefits of the sober curious movement, and plenty more. It's all happening right now. So buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now, your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason here with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. So excited to get this one out. Finally, I want to say thanks to Margaret. We had to jump on another call and re-record part that we lost, but we got it all squared away. This episode came out wonderfully. And one of the things I love about Margaret's story is the travel tie-in when she removed alcohol from her life. She rediscovered her joy for travel and... So much so that she decided to start a company called Afar Alcohol-Free Adventure Retreats. That company is currently on hiatus, but if you want to check it out, you can certainly stay in touch with her there. And she offers some tremendous tips and a lot of food for thought, I think, for uh, an alcohol-centric society overall, at least the society that I come from, the societies that I've lived in and spent time in. Alcohol is a huge part of daily life. It's perceived as a way to relax and a way to unwind. 
something that can help with being social. I've certainly had my fair share of drinks over the years traveling the world, and I have more to say about that personally, but I will save that for after the interview. Anyway, the intention behind this episode is not to preach about the evils of alcohol or anything like that. It's just meant to provide some helpful, useful information for you if you're listening and you're somebody who's maybe questioned their relationship with alcohol at any point. You don't have to be somebody who you know, drinks 10 bottles of whiskey, is sleeping in the gutter every night to not feel comfortable with your relationship with alcohol. And if that's you and you've thought, what would that look like? How would I actually do a trip without alcohol? It's such a big part of my travel experience, or I just want to have uh, a new type of travel experience, and maybe this will change it. Maybe cutting alcohol out will change my travel experience, even if it's just for a weekend road trip or something short. It's all too easy when you drink to kind of autopilot through the whole thing. You show up somewhere, you grab a beer, you have your glass of wine at dinner, whatever the case is. This episode is meant to just provide a little space to think about this topic, to consider it for yourself, and to provide useful information to anybody who may want to try a trip without it. And if you're already a non-drinker, hopefully you still enjoy listening to this and you get some value out of it as well. And again, on the backside, I will share a bit more about uh, personal stuff going on with me related to this topic. And also a little quote to send you off on your day. So thank you so much for listening. Without further ado, here is my conversation with the wonderful Margaret Ward. Please enjoy. Oh my gosh, your mug is so tiny. It's like a little tiny little sip. <laughs> Meanwhile, here's me with my big, big cup. Well, where are you? Uh, it, I'm in our law office right now. Where's And where's that? Oh, in Litchfield, Connecticut. Okay, yeah. Northwest so you're in America. Portland. So every, everything's bigger there. You know, we're in Europe, so the, the mugs are smaller. The bathrooms are smaller. The hotel rooms are smaller. The showers are smaller. Elevators are smaller. <laughs> I know. It is obscene how everything is like oversized here, though. It really is. Yeah, but there's certain oversized things in America that I really miss. And the thing that tops that list is an oversized refrigerator. Oh my gosh, yes. For an oversized refrigerator because our last refrigerator was like a dorm style refrigerator. I don't even know how we did that for yeah. years. And now we have like a bigger refrigerator and it seemed like it was huge after that. And every time I open the refrigerator, like food just comes flying out at my face. <laughs> and you like, have kids. You have kids too, right? Oh yeah. There's oh, and you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I got a lot. I have to put a, what do you call it, an apron on before I uh, even open the refrigerator just because I don't know what's going to come out. <laughs> I guess that's a good strategy, like if you're trying to diet or something. Not, I hate that term diet, but well, I guess it depends on what you fill your fridge with, though, even if it's small. <laughs> that's true. You might just start licking that apron. Anyway, sorry, we're, we're getting off track here. Uh, I should formally welcome you, Margaret Ward. Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Thank you. It's so exciting to be here. Yeah, I am really excited to chat with you about today's topic. I mean, this is something you have personal experience with and also um, something that you also have professional experience with. I want to get into all that, but like, well, how did this happen for you? How did, how did you kind of generate an awareness around 
your own drinking to to kind of change your lifestyle around that? Like, what you know, why was that important to you? Yeah, I'll try and give you the shortened version because we could probably do a, a much longer version of this. Um, but I, I, I was a normal drinker. I mean, again, quotation marks, I guess, you know, I drank like everybody else in high school and college, although now in hindsight, you know, not everybody does, but I was definitely one of the did people that did overindulge, you know, during college. And, and then I got married and had kids and, um, drinking really wasn't, uh, part of my life that much. Um, and then when I turned 30, a couple things happened. I, um, my husband got very ill with ulcerative colitis. My mom passed away very suddenly from uterine cancer. Um, my kids were growing up and getting older. Uh, and, and the way I coped was I turned to wine. You know, and at first it was just at the end of the day, opening a bottle, having a glass of wine, starting dinner, having another glass, you know, with dinner and then ending, you know, on the couch with a couple more glasses. And it didn't start like that. But, you know, over years, it got to the point where I realized that that was what I was turning to, you know, and I think a lot of people do that. It happens um, without you really noticing and over time, then you 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 notice it and are like, I got to do something about this, you know, because when I try to stop, it's not that easy. Um, and for me, it really became about alcohol was preventing me from being who I really wanted to be. You know, it was taking up a, a lot of headspace. Um, it was consuming my thoughts because I knew I, I, it was probably problematic and I needed to stop and I couldn't. And so I would put rules around my drinking, um, you know, only drinking on the weekends, only having two glasses of wine, um, only drinking when we would go out to eat, you know, and I always managed to break those rules and go back to day one. Um, it was, you know, I'm not going to drink in the morning when I wake up and be really strong and then five o'clock came and dinner time would come and I would be like, oh, and I'm going to have that glass of wine, you know, and it became this cycle. And finally, I, I just had had enough. And there's a saying, um, when the fear of staying the same becomes greater than the fear of change, you'll take that leap. And that's really what finally happened to me. Um, I mean, it's a lot more complicated than that, but that's the short version that I really just just was tired of staying stuck. And I saw my life progressing and I didn't want alcohol to be a part of it. There's also a saying, you know, when you numb the bad feelings, you also numb the good. And I felt like I was um, walking through life numb. And so I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to change. And it didn't just happen overnight. You know, it took a, a long time of starts and stops. And, um, until I finally had that, that day where it was, it was for good. And that was, um, back in 2017. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank and you. I have, haven't looked back since. I mean, is it is it still sort of a daily struggle or is it less sort of top of mind? Absolutely not. You know, absolutely not. I mean, it, it once I, I made that decision and I think the hardest part was the, for the years I had this, um, I, I call it decision fatigue, you know, where you commit 98% to something and it's when you commit a hundred percent that then it's, it's so much easier. Like I look back now and I'm like, why did I try to moderate for so long? It was so hard. And just committing a hundred percent is just so much easier when you take it off the table for good. You know, I, and of course I got to preface this with, this is my story. You know, this might not be everybody's how, you know, everybody's story, you know, but for me, once I committed a hundred percent, it was so much easier. 
not to say it was um, easy, but it was simple. And for sure now I don't struggle with it at all. In fact, now I look at it, um, why would I want to have that in my life? You know, because now once I, over the past five and a half years, have gotten to know myself and experience the full range of emotions and being fully present, it's like, why would I want to, why would I want to, you know, why would I want to change that? Uh, having had the experience of doing the Sober October the last couple of years where you t- take the 30 days off, 31 days, I guess, in the case of October. I totally hear what you're saying. I mean, there is something about bandwidth, right? Like it's just taking a bandwidth in your mind. Like on, on the most basic level, it's like, you know, am I thinking going into the weekend? Oh, you know, oh, do I have beer for the weekend? Or I got, you know, I got to go with some beers or whatever. Or, you know, you have all these social sort of occurrences and you're deciding, oh, should I drink or shouldn't I drink? And, you know, how is it going to affect me tomorrow? What I have to do tomorrow? And it's all this stuff. It just, it impacts more than just the moment, right? It impacts like the day after. And, uh, you know, you string those days together. And then, you know, I found a lot of freedom in, in that uh, restriction, actually. And there's freedom in, in limitation in a lot of ways. Uh, at, at the same time, it's difficult to kind of give up. For me personally, I'm talking on my own, but like, you know, I, I think about traveling and like one of the things I love to do is like go to a brewery and have a beer, you know, check out the local brews, you know, relating it back to travel, which I know you, you've got some incredible tips you're going to share with us today. Um, and I think, you know, these are going to benefit, you know, drinkers and non-drinkers alike because, well, one of the things we were talking about before the interview was this idea of sober curious. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because that might resonate with some of the people listening who... Perhaps they drank and they haven't thought much about this, but maybe after this episode, they might reconsider some choices on a, on a future trip. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this Sober Curious movement that started recently is great just to give people the opportunity to maybe say, you know, they're not ready to commit 100% to living alcohol-free forever, because I know that term forever can be really daunting for a lot of people. So I love this, um, you know, the dry January and sober October, just because it gives people a little chance to reset and see what it would be like to eliminate this thing from them their life. And as long as they do it, and I think it's great to... Um, when you do a, a dry January or a sober October to really not just, you know, white knuckle it, but really take the time to, to see how it has changed, you know, how you feel and, and what was difficult about it, because that tells us a lot, you know, what were the struggles, you know, did you um, not want to go somewhere because you knew there was going to be drinking, you know? Um, but yeah, this whole sober curious movement, I think started, like I was saying to you before, we the media has always portrayed um, either there's these, you know, you're either a, a, a drinker, normal drinker, or a rock bottom drinker. And they, they never show this whole gray area in between where most people lie. If you're not an occasional drinker where, you know, you go and maybe we'll have a, a glass of champagne at a wedding or this rock bottom, you're somewhere in the gray area. And this whole sober curious movement is to say that, you know, you don't have to hit rock bottom to make that decision to say, I'm just going to eliminate this from my life because it doesn't serve me anymore. And so that, that, that language around sober curious is to those people, you know, to say that you can take a break. It doesn't have to be for good. You don't have to label yourself, which I think is the most important thing. I know for myself, I was so um, hesitant 
to stop drinking because I thought that it would attach some label to myself. Instead of just saying, you know what, this isn't serving me. It's not good. I just am going to get rid of it, you know? Yeah. Relating this back to travel and some of the tips you're going to share, and we can talk about what you do and how you do this professionally, which is why I was really excited to have you on board here for this. In many ways, the heart of the show is about the power of travel to transform us, right? And and this is maybe another way that we haven't talked about too much on the show or, or one that's completely in your control, right? Like you could say, well, you know, there's many ways that travel can, can transform us. This perhaps is another layer to this, right? Traveling with the intention of eliminating alcohol, whether it's for a trip or for a period of time during a trip, can can add another layer of sort of transformation, perhaps, or at least another layer of sort of self-exploration, which is, you know, one of the big things we talk about here in travel, but it's funny because I never really thought about it relating back to this. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, that's why I started my company because, I mean, those, the the three things I love to do, travel, connection, and, you know, now living alcohol-free, those three things will change you. You know, there's, there's no way around it. Um, and it definitely will add another layer if you take that time to explore it, you know, for sure. We'll talk about what you're doing. So people get a, get an idea of, cause you're coaching people on this. You're also running some trips and you've also been trained in this professionally. I believe you have some kind of certification. So give people the background so they know, you know, you're more than just uh, you're not like some random person just coming on here off, offering some random tips. You've actually been involved in this for, for quite a long time. <laughs> yeah. So after um, I decided to, to eliminate alcohol, I, I went on a trip myself. I, you can relate to this. I found a really cheap airfare to Copenhagen and I couldn't pass it up. And there happened to be a half marathon there that weekend. So I, I jumped in, I went and it was an experience I'll never forget. I mean, like every travel experience is, but this one I'm running the race and uh, there was a woman next to me running and she didn't speak English. I didn't speak her language. And when we finished, we hugged and we were emotional. And it, it was it was just one of those moments where I'm like, you know what? I want to do this more. I want to share this with other people. You know, it's just such an experience to, to be in a different location and out of your comfort zone and then challenging yourself. And that gave me the idea. I, I actually looked to see if there was something like that out there, um, you know, a travel company, alcohol-free travel company for women. And there wasn't. So I said, I'm going to do it. So I started started the company. How all great called- businesses start, right? <laughs> I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it was not there. I'm going to start it. Um, so, yeah, it was, it's, I, it was called Recovery Run Adventures. And it was, um, I led trips for women to destination races. And then, of course, the pandemic hit, which kind of threw a, a wrench into the plans. Um, but we ended up, we, we went to Iceland. Um, they canceled the race uh, about a week before we went. And we did it on our own anyway with a bunch of locals. And it was just amazing. Um, and then we've been to You to did Italy. a race on your own? Yeah, yeah. We just, I, I got the route from the race director and, awesome. you know, planned it out. And I had a rented car, so I did water stops and we just ran it ourselves. And I mean, there was a lot of people, locals that were doing it too. So, you know, we were high-fiving each other. It was awesome. I made little homemade medals um, from like at the office with yogurt. I don't know if you watch The Office, with little paper clips and yogurt. And we, you know, it was it was a great experience. Um, but yeah, and then we've been to Florence and we've been to Greece. Um, 
And it's something that's really I'm finding resonating with people. You know, they want to do this. They want to travel and experience things um, with another group of people who feel the same way. So the main question I kept getting was, well, I don't run, um, but I want to join your trip. So now I've kind of rebranded and the the business is called Afar Now, Alcohol-Free Adventure Retreats. And we just do all types of different adventures now everywhere. Um, but I am, yeah, I did get certified. I'm a, a certified life and recovery coach. Um, and now I've kind of narrowed my business down to just doing travel coaching for people because it is such an issue. I know for me, um, it was one of the reasons that kept me thinking that this wouldn't be something I could do forever because there was always another trip. And it's so enmeshed, you know, alcohol and traveling are so enmeshed. Like when we think of going to Italy, you think of drinking wine, like you said, or visiting breweries and you travel with family that um, maybe drink or friends that drink, or you're going to a beach. How can you not have a margarita on the beach? And it's just, you know, the media portrays this as something you can't do uh, unless you're drinking and you can, <laughs> they, they don't show you the other side of that. You know, when you start drinking on the beach at, you know, noon and by five o'clock, you're, you're ready to go and take a nap instead of, you know, experiencing the rest of the night. And then in the morning, you know, you're sleeping in until noon because you're not feeling so great and you're missing out on that, that sunrise. Yeah, I don't think uh, as an ad campaign it would work as well, right? Like, uh, yeah, no. like you see the margarita and the tanned legs, and then there's like the shot afterwards with like the the bird's nest and like the hunched over the toilet throwing up thing, <laughs> or the missed flights, you know? <laughs> missed flights? Has that happened to you? <laughs> Actually, it hasn't. No. <laughs> At least you're not traveling because, sober. Not because of drinking, yeah, not because of drinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're right. It's it's something that. I mean, it's not something you sit around and think about all the time, but since it's on, we're on the topic, you, you, you know, when you really think about the, how it's accepted in society as a uh, social thing, or I mean, I think about it particularly in the States because it, it, it's really thrown in your face when here, here in Norway, they're not allowed to advertise alcohol on TV. And I, I think wow, that's, that's fantastic. I, I agree. I mean, I don't really think there's a reason why it should be allowed to be advertised because I think I, I didn't realize this until much later, but I think back when I had my kids watching a playoff football game with me last year and the amount of just like beer commercials that were coming on. And I was just like, you know, do four year olds and six year olds really need to be absorbing this? And I think about how much football I used to watch growing up. And I was just exposed to that all the time. And that link between sports and drinking, I think, you know, on the surface, we think uh, I'm just using that as one example in society, right? We use that as like, at least in the States, that's a very cultural thing. Like you tailgate, you drink, it's, it's sports and beer. You, you know, I think that's so rooted and seems so natural because of the marketing and the advertising that people are bombarded with. Because if you think about it, athletes <laughs> usually aren't the ones like drinking because they can't because they have to be in top athletic shape so why do these two things go together it it's because of the marketing and the and the sort of messaging that we're bombarded with and i mean it, it just it is what it is right like oh for sure jason let me tell you so i i'm i'm a runner and i i've done marathons i've trained for triathlon you know iron man and the reason one of the reasons why i finally stopped was i was uh, training for an iron man and I was on a, on a Facebook group and there was a woman who posted a question. She said, you know, I think I might have a, an issue with drinking. You know, I drink 
couple of glasses of wine every night. And the responses were all just, oh, you know, we play hard, we work hard, you know, you deserve it, you know. And that was the mentality that was going on. And one woman responded and said, you know, everyone is joking on this, this, you know, this thread, but if you're questioning whether or not that you have an issue, you might. And you might want to explore that. And here's my link. She had a she was pretty well known in the the word world of triathlons. And I clicked on her link and she had a whole blog post on how she had stopped drinking. And but that's how the the thinking is. I mean, they give you a beer after you run a marathon. You know, so it's everywhere. It's everywhere. You go to yoga and it's, you know, yoga and wine. And I mean, let's not even get into the whole mommy wine culture. I mean, there's T-shirts for babies that say, you know, my mom drinks because of me. It's just out of control. I mean, it's true. Mommy juice, you know. I mean, I must say, as a father, I can relate to that one a little bit. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but yeah, no, it's not lost on me. But but <laughs> right when you, you you can see though how it's after a while it just becomes yeah. like oh well this is what you do and if you don't do it there's something wrong with you you know if you don't drink like what's wrong with you like or you're looked at like uh you know you don't know how to have fun when it's really the opposite I mean I'm not somebody who says you know nobody should drink but. You know, it's a depressant. It's not, there's no health benefits to it. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why. 
We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show. So yeah, so what are we what are we calling this list? Is it 10 tips for traveling alcohol-free that isn't boring? Is Is it something with sobriety yeah and i didn't even like the isn't boring thing because well go ahead i mean i know you have some thoughts well so i i have i i have chosen to use the word alcohol free for myself now just because i think there is such a negative connotation around the word sobriety people have have in their head that sobriety equals like this life of boredom which you know boredom to me is the absence of chaos right so like a little boredom is good because it means your life is actually pretty stable. And like, that's the goal, right? We don't want this like living in this life of chaos. But I think when people get sober, a lot of the times they do think or their fear is that they're going to just like live and be so boring. And so I try to avoid that word sobriety because, you know, alcohol free. It's not it's not a boring life. <laughs> Believe me. That's why I think it's smart not to include a tagline like without it being boring because that, that's, that's making the assumption that alcohol makes things exciting and non-alcohol or alcohol free or taking away the alcohol makes things like not, not as adventurous or, or something like that. And that's just not the case. Yeah. You just have to find healthier ways to get that hit of dopamine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well then shall we run down into these tips and I'm sure we'll have some commentary along the way, but I'd love to hear them. Yeah, so I broke them down into five things, right? Five tips you can do before you leave and five tips you can do while you're on your actual trip. So I would say the number one tip before you leave is to do your research, right? I mean, be a good, smart traveler. Do your research before you go, whether that means researching your actual locations you're going to go, because obviously there's certain places in the world that are going to be easier for people to navigate alcohol-free. You know, if it's a Muslim country where alcohol isn't, legal, then it's going to be a better place to go if you don't want to be have alcohol in your face. But even locations where nature is um, more prevalent, I mean, those are great places to go, especially in early sobriety, because you're going to just want to get outdoors more and not be stuck indoors. Um, but if you already have the location that you're set on going to, then at least do the research of where you're going to. Um, you can look up restaurants that you plan on going to, see what they have for alcohol-free drinks so that you're not bombarded right when you get there because that's usually when people will reach for a drink in that moment of weakness, you know. But if you're prepared ahead of time, you know what you're going for, um, then you won't have as many of those moments. You know, look and see what activities there are planned for those morning activities. Um, just do your research. I would say that's the number one tip. Okay. And your advice on anticipating those moments, which will inevitably occur, right? Like there'll, there'll be a something where you go on an excursion and then we'd be like, all right, the bar's open or whatever. Surprise. You know, I mean, anything can happen. So you mentioned alcohol in your face. How do you, yeah, what's kind of the attitude or what's the mindset there when you're in that moment? Um, I think it's going to be different for everybody, right? You know, everybody's journey is a little different. It all depends on your reasons, probably, for being alcohol-free. You know, if it was problematic like it was for me, the, um, you know, you've, you've got to be ready for those moments. And it gets easier with time, and you just have to realize that, that, you know, you're building new neural pathways here. And 
For me, it was an exercise in mindfulness where every new experience I had, I would imagine these new neural pathways being created, kind of like my dog used to um, chase cars, this other dog we had, and she had this path that she, you could tell this path because she had run it so many times. So I would imagine in my brain, these little connections and each experience I had that was alcohol-free, I would imagine that path getting deeper and deeper. And just that imagery for me really helped because then when I was confronted with a situation, um, I was recently in Croatia. And if you have ever been in Dubrovnik, you know, in that old town, like literally every corner you go around, there's a bar. And in, you know, early spring and summer when everyone's sitting outside, your brain can trick you into thinking, wow, that looks great. Like, why aren't you doing this? You know? And you got to use those neural pathways and those muscles that you've built and say, you know what, if you sit here down at this bar right now and start drinking, you're not going to get up in the morning and go on the hike to the top of Mount Sid. I always mispronounce it, you know, but it, but you've got to build those muscles and you got to um, imagery helps with me for me a lot. Yeah. The triggers are everywhere, right? I mean, like you painted the picture perfectly there, like the old town, the, the bars, the outside table. The cold beer. <laughs> yeah. yeah but you know, it's great. Like I said, the more, the more you build that muscle, like, so now, I mean, that, that is no longer like triggering for me because I've now sit down and can have, you know, a ginger beer and cranberry and the experience is just as great and obviously better because I'm not then tired the rest of the day. And I can, you know, have great conversations while I'm sitting there and, and actually remember the conversation. So, you know, it's just building those muscles. So. I think remembering the conversations is always a good thing, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's great. So do your research number 10, I guess, or the the before you go. Yeah. Well, I said it as number one, because I mean, before you go, you probably, you know, that's the number one thing to do, you know, take your place, um, depending on like where you are at. Yeah. You're going to choose wisely. Um, numbers, number two, we'll go into number two is actually flows right into this is think ahead about what those triggers are going to be, you know? And like I said, for everybody, those triggers are going to be different. Um, for some people, airports are huge triggers, you know, because it's a place where it's okay to drink at 9am. I don't know any other Baffles place. Baffles my mind. Yeah, so when that happens, isn't but it? For some reason, it's okay to, you know, start drinking in the morning at, at an airport, So, you know, again, doing your research for airports, um, you can download maps, airport maps, and airports have some really cool besides bars in them. Like, I never knew this, but you can get massages. Um, I mean, there's just so many things you can do in an airport. I mean, my favorite thing to do is to try and find sleeping people and take selfies with them. I don't know. I think that's hilarious. But there's so many fun things you can do in an airport, even just, you know, get your laps in, go walking, but download, you can download the map ahead of time. Um, But think through those situations that you think are going to be difficult. If it's going to be, you know, you're going to have a family meal, you know, one night uh, at this great restaurant, you know, think ahead to what you're going to do. You know, think if if you even want to go on that family dinner. And have those conversations before you go on the trip so that you're not confronted with it right then. Um, but it, it, like I said, everybody's triggers are going to be different. But if you can think through what those are, everyone has their reasons for why they're they're going to decide to live alcohol-free too. Um, what was helpful for me in the beginning was 
writing out those reasons, actually writing them out on a piece of paper before I went on a trip and keeping them handy throughout that trip. So then when you're confronted with some of these scenarios, you can pull out that list and remember those reasons why you're, you know, you're doing this. Because in the moment you can forget really quickly why you, you were choosing to do this. And you can be like, this was a stupid idea. Why did I think this was a good idea? But if you have those, you know, handy, um, you know, have somebody on, uh, on, let them know I'm going on this trip. I have a feeling there's going to be certain situations that are going to be difficult. You know, can I text you even if it's four in the morning, you know, because of the time change, you know, have somebody that you can reach out to um, that you have felt, you know, comfortable sharing this with. Yeah. I like the idea of, of writing that out. And even if you're doing this just experimentally, like you're not doing this to live a sober, sober life forever, it's pretty easy to think about, like we described the outdoor bar scene in, in Croatia or whatever. I, I feel like it's pretty easy to kind of think about what the triggers might be. And then just, like you said, think ahead by either either identifying them and, and avoiding them in some cases, or um, just having a plan for handling them. Like you talked about the mindset, the, the, the pathways and the kind of the visualization that you, that you used, and that was something that you could lean on. So you don't have to have a million things. You can just have one or two kind of tools to lean on, I guess, that work for you and to talk you out of it in the moment. Uh, I think it's really, really smart, sound advice. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even if somebody has just decided, you know, this one trip, like you said, they're sober curious, they want to try one trip. You know, these are these are all helpful things. Um, like you said, you don't have to make this grand statement, you know, or label. I mean, some people may want to, but you know, I think that's a great thing about this time we're in, you know, this sober curious movement, that you don't have to attach any labels to yourself. And I, I think it was super helpful for me that people who um, I could identify with their stories. I mean, that was what what helped me make this decision. So I think the more people are are open to to being curious about living alcohol free, the better. Because I don't know about you, but my drinking looked like everybody else's, really. You know, and so it was really hard to make that decision that if my drinking looks like everybody's, then why should I stop? But I knew for me, it was it was problematic. Mm. You know. I think it's funny, the uh, not funny, but the, well, kind of the, the term sober curious. I think it's great because it's empowering and, and people are adopting it because, like you said, you don't have to attach the label. So it's like you're com committing to something, but not committing because you're just curious, you know, and you're exploring it. And that's cool. But let's translate sober curious just means regular life, doesn't it? <laughs> like, yeah. like how I mean, you're I born and how you lived most of your life until <laughs> you started, until alcohol got introduced to you whenever that was, you know, it's kind of funny. Yeah, you know, I, you know. I, I think I like it though, because it does provide an, an easier accent access point, yes. you know, for people instead of just like making, because for some people, the idea of going alcohol free forever is just mind blowing. Like it's just impossible for me. I had to actually have that mindset. I had to say it's forever. So, I mean, I have tattooed on my arm, you know, never questioned the decision because for me, that was more empowering. But I think for a lot of people, the idea of, you know, never having that sip of champagne at their daughter's wedding, they just can't even imagine it in the moment. So for them, you know, just saying they're sober curious is, is if that's what gets them to that point, that's great. After this list, maybe you can share a couple book recommendations for the sober curious. Uh, but let's, let's kind of get to the number three here. Yeah. Okay. Number three, um, number three, we're leading right. It, this leads right into that is to pack a pack a travel toolkit. You know, those things that are going to help you in those situations where you might be triggered. And again, this is going to be different for everybody. But 
really um, what alcohol did for, for most people was to help control the central nervous system. So what you want to pack are things that are going to help, you know, be a healthier way to control that central nervous system. So for me, I love essential oils, you know, especially on airplanes. Of course, you want to be, um, you don't want to overwhelm your neighbor sitting next to you. So, you know, maybe just I love putting like lavender on my neck pillow or some peppermint on, you know, the points on your neck or your temples. Um, it's just really calming. It can calm your nervous system, especially if airplanes, you know, are not your thing. Um, I love tea, certain teas. So I pack and bring my tea, certain teas with me when I travel. Um, I have a travel journal I bring with me. Um, your phone is going to be a great tool because on it, you can download audiobooks and podcasts and um, insight timer with meditations that are great. You know, so just think of the things that you use at home that would help you and, you know, bring them with you. I know a lot of people, airplanes, I love airplanes. Um, some people, they stress out. There is actually something called adult Play-Doh that has essential oils in it. That is the coolest thing. I actually got it just because it distracts your hands, which if you have anxiety around airplanes, you that's what you need to do is distract your brain. So it does that. Um, and it's just really cool. I love Play-Doh as a kid. So adult Play-Doh to me, it's like a no-brainer. Um, Sudoku is another great one if you have anxiety on planes, you know, because it makes you um, get out of your brain and think of something else. So, you know, a little travel pack of Sudoku um, that you can use on a plane. Um, but really just think through anything that will help you, you know, through those situations and provides comfort for you. It's going to be different for everybody. Um, another great thing I is global entry. If you are stressed out in airports with long lines, Make the investment, get global entry. The amount of hours I have saved with that is just mind-blowing. All right, we'll move right on. Uh, number four, before you go, be proactive. People cannot read your mind. People don't know what you need. So if you don't tell them, they can't help you. So be proactive. What do I mean by that? I mean, you know, if you are going to be in a hotel and there's a mini bar and you think that is going to be a problem for you, call the hotel, ask them to have it removed. If you're staying in an Airbnb, you know, just write them a quick message and say, by the way, you know, I don't drink alcohol so that they won't leave you that, you know, bottle of wine. If you get to a hotel, I've this has happened to me, I've gotten to a hotel and they have left me a bottle of wine as a gift. And the actual note on it was, we know... We know travel can be stressful, so here you go. I'm like, oh, that's great. Yeah, let's add more stress to a situation by drinking alcohol. Um, but anyway, so, you know, I called down, though, and I said, I don't drink, but I'd love some sparkling water. They brought me up sparkling water instead. You know, you just have to ask. People want to help, you know, and um, there's no shame in that at all. So just just ask for what you need is, is I think, the the tip here. Very cool. Okay. Love that. Um, and five. last thing before you go, and I can't stress this enough, is plan for morning activities. If you have morning activities planned, you're going to be more likely to go to bed earlier. You know, you're going to look forward to those mornings. And mornings are magical when you're sober. I can't tell you enough how many great mornings I've had being the only one up in a city having a cup of, you know, cup of coffee with the locals and watching the sunrise without a hangover. I mean, nothing, nothing beats that. 
and, and never gets old. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is something magical about, yeah, being out at that time in a new place, the light, the sort of the and random people. Yeah. Being on a first tour of a day at say the Vatican, like it's just incredible. You're yeah. the first person through those doors, you know, yeah. it's, it's just awesome. Mm. And you're not puking. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a good thing. All right. We're into the second half of the list now. Okay. Yeah. Five tips for um, things you can do during your trip that will help uh, it run smoothly. Stick to your routine. So if you are a person who wakes up every morning and has their coffee first thing and, you know, goes for a run don't change that when you're on vacation. I mean, stick to your routine as closely as possible. Our habits, you know, are what keep us regulated. So as close as you can, I would say, you know, no matter where is, if you're a night person, just stick to being a night person. If you're a morning person, stick to being a morning person. If you eat a big breakfast, eat a big breakfast, you know, don't change your routine just because you're traveling mm. um, is the tip there. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense because you're, you're staying in your healthy patterns, I, guess, I suppose. Yeah. And if you throw that off, then your whole brain is going to start, you know, questioning every single thing you do, which is not what you want it to do. You want a nice, happy brain when you're traveling. And so that means, too, if you know, if you if you take certain, you know, supplements, whatever, bring them with you, you know, don't leave them at home, bring them with you when you're traveling. Um. And along the same lines, the next tip is this seems really simple, but when you're traveling, like I can't tell you how many people like don't remember to do this, stay hydrated and remember to eat, you know, protein every few hours is going to keep your um, blood sugar regulated, which is one of the reasons, you know, why when you feel triggered, you do, it's not actually that you want that alcohol. It's that you actually want some protein. So, you know, pack in your day pack, you know, a little Lara bar or something, some nuts, something that's a little high in protein um, and water. Really simple, but I can't tell you how often you'll, you'll think you want to drink, but you actually just need a glass of water. You're just thirsty. Drink that water and then rethink whether or not you actually want that drink. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Um, all right. The next one, this, this is going to sound like a crazy tip. Um, we like crazy eat, tips here. I know, I know. Eat your main meal at lunch. Okay, so why do I think that's important, especially when you're traveling? Um, it goes back to habits. I don't know if you've read this book called Atomic Habits. It's literally one of my favorite books ever. And it, it shows you how much your brain is triggered just by, you know, your daily habits. Our brain tells us at five o'clock we want to drink mainly because it's a habit. You know, that's when we come home and we, you know, start meal prepping and our brain tells us that those two things go together. So to avoid that while you're traveling, eat your main meal at lunch, sit down, you know, dinner time is usually when if you're traveling, everybody gets together and they start drinking. And so just avoid that scenario altogether. First of all, it'll be less expensive too. You'll get a table reservation easier. And then at night, you know, just go to bed early, have a snack. If you're at an Airbnb, cook something there. But try to avoid, especially especially if, um, you know, you're in early sobriety or this is, like you said, you're just experimenting. 
that's the time I find most people will be triggered is sitting down for dinner at, you know, with a big group of people. So just have your main meal at lunch. That's also a money saving tip, by the way. You know, yeah. you can, they, they have always have like these lunch deals and you can get the dinner portions for much cheaper at lunch. That's a, that's like a, tr- a travel hack, a pretty known travel hack. So kind of kill the two boards with one stone there. I mean, I imagine you do want to get to the point though, where you can, you, you know, you, you meet friends, you meet people in a hostel, you whatever. And like they go out and you want to be a part of that. You don't want to always avoid that just because nobody wants to be excluded. I mean, that's one of the things I think that can turn people off from being sober curious. It's like, well, I don't want to be excluded from these social gatherings and that social aspect of it. It's a good point. And I think it depends where you are on, you know, your, your journey. Um, in the beginning, you might not be comfortable. I know for me, I had to avoid restaurants altogether for a few months just because that was where I, I was mostly triggered. And it wasn't, um, it was that waiting for your meal to come. That was a hard time for me. And I remember going out to dinner with my husband a few times and just staring at each other. And that was when, you know, we used to have, I used to have the glass of wine and, you know, it would be relaxing and, but you know, that would lead to two or three glasses of wine, but it was getting through and getting used to that. And what I thought was boredom, you know, which really just was not, being used to being comfortable with silence, you know? Um, and that does. I mean, for me now, I, I mean, I'm totally, it's that's not an issue anymore. But I also found that certain scenarios that I would put myself in that I thought were fun, after a while, I no longer f- thought were fun. So you might think that, you know, oh, I'm going to miss out going on doing, you know, doing this certain thing. But after you've done it for a while without alcohol, you might not think those same things are fun anymore. You know, so going out to the bars with a group of, you know, people you meet at the hostels, you might have thought that used to be fun, but your ideas of fun, I think, once you um, are sober for a while, kind of change. I know for me, that's no longer fun. You know, I still enjoy going out, but just my idea and the things that I I now know or I find fun are are not the same. Yeah. So it's about balancing kind of where you're on the journey and being self-aware you can only speak to your journey, of course, uh, but do you have any thoughts to share around having these discussions with your spouse? Like, let's say you have a spouse or a partner, or let's say a roommate, whatever, somebody that, you know, you you guys together, you unwind with a bottle of wine on Friday nights. It's what you do. It's part of kind of your weekly thing or whatever, or you have these rituals where you, you always stream a movie and, and you drink beer together and it's kind of like a bonding thing. And maybe they, they're not super excited about the fact that you don't want to participate in that way anymore. (laughs) What do you... You're putting this very gently. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know what, if there were any conversations like that for you with your husband or whatever, maybe just people you've talked to and you could share as much, you can be as personal as you want here or not. I'm just curious what, what your thoughts are around this. Yeah, for me, that was has probably been the um, the the most difficult part, right? Because I mean, my husband and I have been married for thirty years. A big portion of that, you know, I was drinking through, and you know, not drinking. You know, I mean, it's hard to compare drinking levels, but drinking like I would say the average person does, you know. Um, so when I stopped, it was a big change in our relationship. 
you know, because that's what we used to do. Um, and yeah, it's, it's difficult and it's, you have to have conversations and it depends on how um, important the relationship is to you. And I think the people that are important to you, um, it's important to have conversations with and you have to get curious and you have to find new ways and new things to do together. Um, but it's, yeah, it's definitely a journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for sharing. You know, my husband and I, we, we, we started hiking together. Yeah. You know, instead of going out and having, you know, wine on the weekends, now we go and we go hiking. It's great. Get outside, get exercise. Yeah. Not everybody will understand though. No. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and I think that that is a hard part. Can bring up some tough conversations and I'm sure with, uh, or reconsiderations perhaps, uh, with people you spend time with and that could be friends, family. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people will get defensive because I think they think, um, you know, you stopping somehow is a reflection then on, on their own drinking. Um, or they feel like you're judging, you might be judging them in their drinking. So there's, yeah, it brings up a whole lot of emotions in a lot of people. Yeah, the reflection thing is, I, I mean, yeah, you could say somehow it does, but also it, it kind of, it just kind of happens, doesn't it? Like I know everybody's been in those scenarios, right? Like you, you let's say you're single and you attend a wedding and you start thinking, oh, I wonder when, you know, that person's out there for me or, you know, these kind of things happen. So I don't know the numbers, but at least in my interactions around the world, it feels like that the majority of people are drinking. So being the non-drinker, again, I'm not from like a Muslim country or, or wasn't, you know, from my background and my travel experiences. So you would be in the minority in that sense, in terms of like being a non-drinker versus the drinkers, of course, depending on who you're hanging with and what intentions you have. So what you just described, this idea of uh, other people maybe reflecting on their own, use because of your abstinence is a real thing, I, I think. And and one that is, it's an unpredictable thing and you can't control how somebody's going to, you have to just be you, right? I mean. For sure. And I know, I know we live in a very alcocentric society. I mean, everything is centered around alcohol. I mean, I'm in, I'm into, I'm a very active runner and you would think that within the sports, you know, that there wouldn't be alcohol, but there is, there's like a marathon that is centered around every water stop. You drink wine instead of water. I mean, how crazy is that? Um, but that's, that's where we live, the society we live in right now. So yeah, when you make this big pronouncement that you're not going to, and especially when you're in that gray area we talked about, which is where literally everybody is, unless they're a non-drinker or a rock bottom, we're all in this gray area. So if you're in that gray area and you, you know, say you're going to stop drinking, it's going to bring up a lot of emotions in a lot of people. Um, but I think it's really important that, that, that's like I was saying to you before that more people who are in that gray area and decide to stop open up about it because it opens a doorway for so many other people, you know, to say, you know what, I can get off this elevator a lot sooner, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Than later. And I, I, I can just do it because, you know, I want to live a healthier lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to be a better parent for my kids. You know, I mean, whatever the reason. Right. The why is important. Yeah. All right. We got 
two more by my count. Is that right? Two more. Yes. yes. Um, so treat yourself. Treat yourself. Your treat yourself. I love that. You are saving money by not drinking, right? Yes. You are saving money. And our brains love to be rewarded and they connect the reward with the reason. So, you know, if you're Go get that spa treatment and tell yourself, I'm getting this spa treatment because I'm not drinking. And, you know, it, it's going to connect those two and it's going to help you. Um, this is from the book Atomic Habits, which I love. But it's that connection, you know, to why you're rewarding yourself that then will allow you and want you to continue on this journey if it's what you want to do. That's smart. Um, that's that's very, very actionable and very concrete and also based on science, it sounds like. It's super based on science. I, I I really highly recommend that the book Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. um, it, it really was a game changer for me. Okay, I have to because revisit it, that. I, I made it like partway through the audiobook and then I kind of dropped off. I need to get yeah. back in. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about identity based habits, which is you know thinking about the person you want to be in the future, and then every day, every little decision you make being it based upon that person you want to be. And then all of a sudden, you know, you actually are that person that you want to be. And those habits are your own. Yeah. Amazing. You know, which is, is really great. You don't have to make these huge changes. It's just everyday little changes towards that person. You, you know, that identity you, you see yourself as. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago, and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. You know, these are great tips. And also there's just kind of reflecting on this now as you're speaking. I mean, some of these strategies and these things, they can apply to other other things, right? If there's other things that you feel are detrimental or things you want to change about your life. So not everything, but some of the things you're sharing, I think, you you know, for the listener here, just to give you a little more to reflect on coming out of the interview, whether it's sober curious or something else, I feel like there is some great value here for 
changing habits and awareness around yeah, these types of things. Well, I always give the example as a runner, you know, like you, you don't want your goal to be, I want to run this marathon because then when you complete the marathon, then what, you know? So your goal is you want to be a runner because that's an identity. So I want to be a runner and yeah, I'm going to have this goal of running this marathon, but when the marathon is over, I'm still going to be this runner. So what am I going to do every day that uh, someone who is a runner would do? I'm going to, you know, get up, I'm going to put my sneakers on. And, you know, you, you then have piggyback habits, you know, one thing works off the other until, yeah, one day you wake up and you're like, I'm a runner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like that. Yeah. That's the, yeah. Like you said, the goal is the identity, I guess. So, well, I mean, identities can come and go, right? Like we're kind of always changing. We're our core selves, but then we might be I was a skateboarder for a long time. I don't necessarily identify as a skateboarder now, but maybe a little bit. No, I do. I do. I still have a skateboard. So we could go deep here. We could really <laughs> yes. go deep because yeah. let me tell you, that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately is, you know, like what is our identity and how do we identify ourselves? And we're more than just our job or, you know, yeah, an alcohol-free person. We're, we're so much more than that. Like we're our core right. values and, you know, but yeah, we could go deep. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could also think about, what do you associate with an identity, right? If you're, if you're in this case, if you're trying to establish the identity of what well, we already talked about it, like say I'm a sobriety, for example, you said it might have negative connotations to people. Well, if you're linking those negative connotations to that identity, then it's going to be hard to embrace the identity of sobriety, which is fine. You're aware of that. Then you need to reframe it and maybe sober curious or something, which is where these sort of terms come in that you might say, well, this is just, this is semantics, but if it helps you embrace a certain uh, lifestyle or, or culture or whatever that, that you're trying to add and you need to reframe or redefine what that identity means to you. And I, I love that. I think that's empowering this idea of that you can, you can adopt an identity of let's say a runner, but you can determine what that means. And, and that can, that can cause negative or positive things to happen, right? Like if you say a runner is, you know, and you look at like X, Y, or Z ultra runner who runs, you know, hundred K thing is just like, now you're maybe, maybe that's inspirational. Maybe that's like, Oh, I'm never good. And I'm never going to be good enough. So you have to like, really be careful with yeah. how you identify your identity. <laughs> I don't identify as an alcoholic to me. That's not empowering, but for some people it could be, you know? So yeah, you got to do you. The default for a lot of people because it's been so popular and, and helpful for a lot of people. So I'm not poo-pooing it, but when you think about people with an alcohol problem and you think, well, if they're a non-drinker, first of all, you're assuming they just like, <laughs> they're like totally out of control, right? That's like sort of the first assumption. And then it's like, well, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous. And then every day you say, you know, I'm an alcoholic. And you're saying, well, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I, I take a different approach. And I think that's, we can talk about more more about that in a minute. Let's get into this final tip because this is going to tie in with something I want to share. Exactly, because the last tip is to check your mindset. Okay. You know? Yeah, there you like, go. A lot of times, if you go in and I think a lot, you're feeling deprived, like I don't get to drink. Poor me. This sucks. You know, that's going to lead you to want to drink. But if you go in and be like, you know what? I don't have to drink. Like. I get to be sober. Like, that's awesome. Like, that's an empowering feeling. And I think taking control back was one of the reasons why I want to live an alcohol-free life. Like, it, it, I have so much more control 
and I can lead such a more productive life without it, that it's a positive thing, you know, so get rid of that mindset of this sucks. Everybody else is having fun, you know, except me. And just think of it as, um, you know, you rock, rock. That's so cool. It's an awesome thing. Yeah. Can I say thanks to you for, for a couple of reasons? First of all, uh, for those of you listening, so we, just to give you a little background, I don't think this has happened maybe one other time, but our first interview got sort of cut off because of uh, some technical problems. And so we recorded this whole tip section, but you know, you were kind enough to come back and, and re-record this part for the audience so we could go through these and share these. Um, but, you know, I discovered this as I was listening back and we were about to publish it and I was like getting inspired by the interview. I was inspired by a recent retreat and by everything you had to say. And now we've been kind of texting and I have to let you know that I, I haven't had any booze for 60 days. Is today 60? 60 days today as of the oh, time of this recording. Awesome. And also I would say, you, this retreat and, and my sort of some of the intention around it. And then this recent retreat I was on. And then my buddy, Danny, who is a longtime friend. And I saw him post something where he hadn't been drinking for like a year. And I was like, you know what? All these things are kind of coming around. And I'm not a guy like you described, like your drinking as like sort of normal drinking, right? Like I, have a well, what you know, we the, we term normal, yeah, right, yeah. What what society might term normal, yeah. like you know, it's okay. It's Friday night. Might have a beer or two. Might have a a beer or two on Saturday. If my friends get together. I'll have a few beers with them. Um, I wasn't getting up and like drinking whiskey at six in the morning or any of this stuff. But beer is really expensive in Norway, and I generally don't really drink hard alcohol. But I, you know, I was like, you know what? The, ultimately, it came down to like it still was taking up bandwidth or has been taking up bandwidth in my life. It's been, you know, it's like going to the weekend, like, oh, am I going to have beer? Do I have enough beer? If you go out with your friends, you're like, oh, should I have one more? You know, maybe that's, you know, I don't want to feel crappy tomorrow. And like all this sort of bandwidth is taking up. It takes up so much headspace. Yeah. And, and, and that was the thing. And, and I felt like because of that, as one of the main reasons and my health, of course, um, and wanting to be around for my, for my kids and just kind of like, I feel like I got to rethink this relationship with alcohol. And, you know, maybe this is something, maybe I'm sober curious. Maybe this is something I don't want to have in my life anymore. And I realized like, I'm like a man of streaks, right? Like when I get an exercise streak, I'm, I'm in a good flow. If I break it, I'm like, Oh, here comes the, here comes the chocolate and the, yes, the rest of yes, it. That's, that's me. But you know, for the bandwidth reason, I had to just like make a decision because I'd be in the same I, all the bandwidth would still be chewing up. Okay. Should I, should I do this now? Or, you know, should I buy some beer for the weekend? Whatever. And I'm just like, you know what, this is just almost easier not to. Yeah. I just wanted to change my lifestyle in that way. I just wanted to share. I don't know why I wasn't sure if I would share it, but I thought this was an appropriate time to share being on with you. It's been really nice to be committed to this and perhaps I thought, well, okay, let me just share where I'm at with this right now. And you can, we can talk about it a bit more if you want. Um, there's been a couple helpful books that I'll share, but I know you sharing your story, Danny sharing his story, being on this retreat and then talking to some other people, like all of them hearing everybody else's story and reading these books helped me. So if I'm just sharing honestly of where I'm at right now and what I have going on and why I decided these things, then maybe that, that, makes somebody else think a little bit too or whatever. Again, I'm not, I'm, I'm like right with you. Like I'll, 
let's go hang out. Let's go, you know, have, have as many beers as you want. Like, let's laugh and have some good times. I'm just telling you where I'm at right now. I'm, will this last forever? Like, I hope so. Uh, I should, that's not the right attitude. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm no, still like jonesing for a beer sometimes. And, and even saying yeah. this out loud is scary because I feel like, Oh, now I'm like, you know, being held accountable by, uh, you know, everybody listening or whatever. But in, in a way, like that's part of the reason to kind of say it out loud too, because I haven't really told anybody. I mean, my wife, you know, she knows I just kind of cut it out, but none of my friends know or anything. And I don't know if I needed to make a point to, to tell them, or if it comes up, then I'll just say it. And I just, I don't know. I want to have a good time without it. And I know I can. And well, I think that was one of my main reasons for wanting to be on too, to show people that, you know what, people think they can't go to, oh my gosh, how do you travel to Italy and not drink? And how do you go to Paris? And how do you do this? And how do you do that? It's like, it's so, so, so great. You can do it. You can do anything. You know, it just takes practice. It just takes some practice. And, you know, using some of these tips to get through, you know, some of those like icky moments and then you'll get there and we'll freaking have a, have a blast. But I, I, I think what you said is, I mean, it was true for me is committing 99% is so much harder than a hundred percent because that 1% that you don't commit. I mean, for me, it left an escape hatch in my brain, which like I would take that 1% escape hatch every day of the week, you know? So committing a hundred percent was just closed all those escape hatches and, it's so much easier easier for me to be abstinent rather than trying to moderate because you like you said the headspace it's just it's just so much it's so freeing without it the escape hatch thing was yes that like so all that bandwidth kind of made me realize like who's in control here uh you think you know the illusion was that i'm in control of when i want to drink and i moderate and i don't go out and get wasted and all this stuff and that's fine oh, i might go out and have a couple beers whatever i'm in control but if it's eating up all this headspace and it's a constant question of should I have another one? Should I do this, you know, you know, do I have it in the fridge? You know, all those things I talked about, then I'm not really in control. The alcohol's in control. And once I kind of realized that, I'm like, well, this is, you know, I'm taking back control essentially. I'm not a control freak, but I want that kind of control over things that come into my body. And the books really helped. So the, uh, the Alan Carr book that my friend Danny recommended, that was the first one I read. I can link to these. I think it was called Stop Drinking Now or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Alan Carr. Or the, is it the easy way to stop drinking? I'll find it and link to it. If you, if, yeah. If you Google Alan Carr, it'll come up. <laughs> yeah. I, ha- I I don't have. He's got the, one for smoking too. Yeah. I don't have the book in front of me in my Kindle, but, uh, yeah, I think it was, uh, oh yeah, no, this is Alan Carr's quit drinking without willpower, be a happy non-drinker. And I thought that was, uh, a, you know, that really helped me reframe everything, which is what you need to do and kind of see, see it in a different light. And then the one that you recommended, the naked mind, I believe. You um, like, yeah, this naked mind this by naked, Amy Grace. Yes. And, and, you know, we were texting about this interview and stuff or emailing and then, I was like, oh, okay. And then I, so then I read that and, you know, these are books I'll probably reread at some point. Um, might read another one because like I'm at this point in my journey where I feel like I'm, I need to constantly reinforce the, the new beliefs. And like you said, give myself those rewards for 
not. And I'm really enjoying my non-alcoholic beers because I still love, you know, some of these books, they're like, alcohol doesn't taste good. It's poison. And I'm like, no, I think it tastes pretty good, actually. I, I like beer. Like, I don't agree with you there. Um, but, you know. But and, the thing is, there's so many great ones now. You yeah, know, there's yeah. so, so many like companies are coming up with with great options now. So if you do like the taste, you know, th- there's no reason to, to not drink the one without alcohol, you yeah. know, because it tastes the same. So I have the I have my salty snack. I have my non-alks, and uh, I can be there right with you, laughing and having a good time, and, and it's all good. No no judgment on my end. I'm just sharing what the journey I've been on and why, and a little bit around that. So I just wanted to say thank you for um, being supportive and for sharing what you did before to kind of reinforce the things I was learning and um, being a part of that decision in, in, in the way you were. So thank you. Oh, I'm super excited for you. And I'll just mention one other book. I know you haven't read it, but it's Holly Whitaker, um, Quit Like a Woman. It's I, I can't say enough good things about it. She talks about big alcohol and has some really actionable steps, which, you know, you don't have to be a woman for it to resonate. It's just a really, really powerful read. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No. And like I said, I'm so, so happy that you agreed to do this interview with me because I think the more stories that are out there, yeah, the more people it just, it might help. Do you have anything else you want to share here? Um, so if, and I do have a group on Facebook called teetotaling travelers and it's a great group of, you know, anyone who's sober curious or, you know, who just is curious about, um, yeah, traveling alcohol free, but doesn't know how to do it. It's, it's an awesome group to be part of. Um, I have a company called Afar, but I've taken a little pause on doing um, retreats because I have some other things going on right now. Um, but hopefully in the future, that'll, that'll resume. Um, but yeah, I hope to see you in Norway sometime. Okay. Yes. Me too. Yeah. One, uh, Afar stands for Alcohol-free adventure retreats. Okay. If you still have the site up and everything, we can link to that. Or we can definitely link to the to the Facebook group. That way people can get in touch with you as well if they have any questions or anything like that. And thanks for re-recording this section. <laughs> but it was cool because we got to go through it. And now I'm seeing these things in a different way too. Yeah, uh, I love that. Getting educated and having the 60 days behind me. It's been an interesting ride. like life is but thanks so much margaret i really appreciate you yeah thanks so much jason all right take care there you have it thank you very much to margaret ward for stopping by sharing her tips her knowledge her story and you heard it at the end i just honestly shared where i'm at that was pretty much it. I will say as an update, no, I haven't had any beers. I've had a lot of non-alcoholic beers though. <laughs> but at the time of publication for this, uh, it's 99 days. It'll be 100 days tomorrow. And don't get me wrong, I'm not sitting here counting the days, but these milestone days, like it was 60 when I talked to Margaret on that interview and now it's 100. Uh, they're, you know, they're important to acknowledge. And I've had a couple tests along the way. I had an old buddy come into town we met up. Of course, I would have had beers with him before, but just drank, I think, four non-alcoholic beers the night we were out, just hung out. And what I've realized uh, through this journey is just that, you know, the things that are fun that you like to do, like hanging out with an old buddy, is fun because of that person. It's not fun because of the alcohol. And if there's something that 
I need alcohol to have fun, like I can't have fun doing it unless I'm drunk, <laughs> then it's probably something I shouldn't be doing anyway. So that's kind of the, uh, the logic there. So anyway, thank you very much for allowing me to share if this episode resonated with you in any way or if you have anything to share around it, you can always drop me a voicemail or shoot me an email, jason at zerototravel.com. And if I can help in any way or you just want to say hi and share whatever, just let me know where you're traveling next. Just say what's up. Always love to hear from listeners. It's nice to know that this is a two-way conversation. Uh, I know some listeners are coming into town. I've gotten a few messages, so I'm going to try to do some meetups there. And it's always a joy to know that this community is so awesome, filled with so many incredible people like you. And you're all out there. You're not alone. You're all part of this. So thank you very much for being a part of it, for listening to today's show. I'm going to leave you with a quote that I found when I did a Google search for quotes on sobriety, although I thought... Let me find something that is a little broader. And although this quote came up related to sobriety, I think this is a great quote for any big you know, life change that's positive, I should say. And I don't know who said it because there's, no, uh, there's no name attached to this. But the quote is, I'm not telling you it is going to be easy. I'm telling you it's going to be worth it. I'll leave you with that. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. Peace and love to you and yours. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 